Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to TMZ Live. Harvey Levin here. Charles here. So, uh, Croy Behrman uh, has changed that proverb um, to, if you first don't divorce, try, try again. And he did, <laughs> because he has filed for divorce for a second time in just a couple of months from Kim Zolciak, and it all has to do with moolah. Yes, indeed. Uh, the lack of moolah, or who is supposed to be in charge of the moolah, um, but that is the dispute. Now, we told you that, obviously, they had both filed for divorce uh, back in May. Um, they were both raced to the courthouse. Yes, it was exactly, raced to the courthouse, they both filed, and then they both withdrew uh, about a um, little over a month ago. And so, said that they've decided, you know, for the sake of the family and their faith in God and all that. And we saw them out going out together as a family. They went to church together. And honestly, but we, we heard, weren't buying it. <laughs> yeah, and we had heard that there were still a lot of disputes going on. And yes, as Harvey said, the main one was about money. And that is why Croy decided, uh, you can't do this anymore. And yesterday filed... Uh, for divorce. And not just filed for divorce. He filed the same way he filed the first time. He wants sole custody of their kids. He wants child support. He wants alimony. He wants attorney's fees. It's so, interesting because you would have thought that over this, this last month, while they were still together and trying to work things out, that maybe it would be less contentious when he refiled uh -uh. and that it would just be about, all right, we're splitting up. And it's, it's still... Well, that's what we've heard. It, it is super nasty. And he wants her out of the house. He wants the, the house. Remember, there was the incident with foreclosure on their home. They've worked past that. But he says he wants the exclusive use of that, which he also asked for the last time. But they shared a roof for several months after he filed. And look what happened again. Now, as for the fight yesterday, we know that, like you guys said, there's always been fights about finances. It's no secret that they have issues in that department. Uh, but I guess Kim finally challenged Croy because for a long time he had been threatening, hey, I'm going to file again. I'm going to file for divorce again. She said yesterday, OK, go ahead and do it. And he took her up on it. He went and filed these divorce documents, and that's led us to what's uh, what's happening today. And the weird thing about this, too, is just the, the way they've been handling the financial disputes that they've been having, that we are told that it has gotten really petty, but also it's about you were supposed to pay that bill and you didn't. No, you were supposed to pay that bill and you didn't. So they're, they were basically going at each other for bills that were going unpaid, and, you know, one of the people we talked to who has knowledge about all of this said it literally was coming almost down to pennies that it got so, you know, it, it just got so ridiculous that they were just fighting about everything. So it sounds like they were right the first time when they filed for divorce and shouldn't have given right. it a second try. And, and actually, the, the fact that Croy decided to file this time in a way that I would describe as impulsive, right? Like they're having an argument dispute about money, she dares him, and then he says, all right, I'll do it. It kind of, does it, do you have, would you be shocked if they were withdrawn if if again? No, 
not 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 this time. I mean, what what we were told was this has been building and building and building in the house. It wasn't necessarily impulsive in the sense that they've been arguing a no, lot. I, I get and that they've been, been really nasty for several weeks. And, and my at a point, point is, it has been nasty, and nobody filed. They were just arguing. But it's in your head. I I, I think there's a good chance we might see this pulled again no. and put back forward. I yeah, think they, because it was just he only did it because she said, you know what it's like when you're in an argument with someone. And they say something, and you're just like, really, you want to challenge me? All oh, right, I get it. I'll show you. And let, let's not forget, there's a whole legal uh, legal thing underlying this, right? They're being looked at very hard for some tax problems that they've had. So they need, really do need, to, they have a vested interest in sticking together, both for marital and spousal privileges, but also for presenting a united front to those coming after them. I, I think there's some real reasons why they should stay together. And meanwhile, um, she's just been sued again for an unpaid credit card bill of mm -hmm. 100 Hundred, I think it was one hundred and fifty-six thousand dollars. One hundred and fifty-six thousand dollars on a credit card. Yeah, I take it back. Maybe he doesn't want to get back. With <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hi, my name is Missy. I'm calling from Johnston, Rhode Island, and I'd like to say that I think it's sad when any marriage and family breaks up, but I do believe sometimes it's in the best interest of the family and the children. They have four still small young children, and I think they need to figure out a way to handle this and get things straightened out in the best possible way and get on to being good parents. And by the way, when she um, filed her papers, she was asking for most of the custody as well. So there, this is gonna be yeah, I mean, really bitter. What she said about the kids, yes, it is probably at this point best for the kids that they are you know, separated. But the question is, where do the kids go and do they have both Right, and that's yet. what's gonna make it really, really right. contentious. Okay, we're gonna move on. Yes, uh, to Beyonce's ongoing uh, Renaissance tour and a bit of a, a flub. Actually, this is not a this bit of a flub. This, this is time, a, no audio. This is a huge, <laughs> now with less audio. With less audio. As in <laughs> no audio, and at the beginning of the show. So she was playing last night in Phoenix and uh, watch what happens at the start of the show. Um, it's very it's very clear to everyone in the audience what's going on, but not obvious to Beyonce and her dancers immediately. What's happening here? Yikes. I think somebody might have gotten fired after this flub. Um, uh, but here's the thing. Beyonce, she knows what she's doing. She is such a, a professional. So she exited the stage. And about 10 minutes later, when everything presumably got fixed, she came back. But a different outfit, like a little B-type outfit. Um, and everyone was just going nuts for her. And show from then on went on without a hitch. So we, we should explain something to people because I, I think a lot of people probably don't know this. The reason why the audience, obviously you're hearing the audience, but Beyonce and her dancers are still going through it. Because they've got an earpiece. They have monitors in their ears so they can hear the music. They were hearing it, so they didn't They didn't, they know, didn't know that the audience couldn't. That the audience couldn't hear something. And so, Someone had to signal to Beyonce, hey, we got a problem, and that's when she walks off stage. Two thoughts about this. One is that it's kind of a lousy way to start a show. You know, it's like if it happens in the middle, yes. at least you got your mojo on. Here, she got, she walks out, and immediately there's a problem, and it's hard to recover from that, but she did, so good on her for doing that. Yes. 
Um, the second thing is that, you know, whether you like it or not, there are two big events going on, not counting Donald Trump's mugshot in this country this <laughs> summer, and that's Taylor Swift and Beyonce. Taylor Swift's concerts went off without a hitch. Even in rainstorms, she was able to power through it. Right. And I don't know I don't whether know if I like where you're going with this. No, I guess what I'm just saying is I think there are bragging rights to pulling off concerts. So, you know, her concert apparently, Beyonce's concert apparently is incredible, but when stuff like this happens, you would think that just for her, for it's her, like, right. Do you know what I mean? It's I like, think the fans are very forgiving. Oh, they the fans they are, are fine with I'm it. I'm talking about for her. her personally. That's what I mean. Yeah. By the way, yeah. this is not the first issue she's had on this tour. There was another part. Um, so during the show, there's like this big metallic type horse that she gets on top of and then it's suspended into the air and she's on this horse going around the entire arena and there was one time when when the horse wouldn't lift off of the ground and you see her kind of struggling like she's trying to sing but she's like looking at the guy and she's like you know come on like let's get this thing going get the horse moving and it didn't it didn't go up that show so there's been some some issues but look i think at the end of the day people love beyonce and they don't care they just want to see her sing hey you know um I'll buy you lunch today if you know the answer to this. Are you talking Char to me? No, I'm, oh, I'm sure, Charlie. Sure. Okay. Either, one, either <laughs> one of you guys. Um, name the play that is about horses that has a title in it that relates to horses. And I'll buy whichever one of you gets at lunch. And if you look it up, Charlie, you're not going to get it. Okay. Listen. It's a play about horses? Mm-hmm. Broadway? Um, I think it was on Broadway. Yeah, it was like on Broadway. this wasn't like your no, high school. Be, this wasn't high school. When I production. tell you, it's going to be a big deal. I mean, you're going to say, "Oh yeah, of course." Equus. I guess Charles, it's not a big did deal. you know that? Because I, I didn't. Yeah, I, I know just want to feel you know, normal. Who, no, I do know of it. But did you see Equus? Yes, TMZ folks. <laughs> Hi, I'm Chris Sumlin. Actually, in Phoenix, Arizona, I went to the show last night, and Beyonce killed it. She's the greatest performer of all time. When you're doing a production to that level, there's going to be hiccups. And I just want to say that when she came back after the malfunction, that place went ballistic. That is the best concert I've ever been to in my life. Beyonce is the GOAT, the greatest of all time. Fantastic show. I've heard that from there other you people, go. too. Oh, there you go. by the way. Harvey, yes, by the did. way, this play is from 1973. Charlie, that's not George Washington. No, it's th know. there have been more modern productions of it. it. That was when it first came out. So history, we love it. There's a lot of male uh, nudity in there. Yeah, there is actually. Yeah. Well, Kevin Costner is addressing uh, the elephant in the room, uh, <laughs> where his divorce is concerned, and that is extramarital affairs. Did Christine cheat? Uh, did he cheat? Um, this has been, by the way, what a lot of people have been talking about since um, she filed for divorce. Right. Whether, Why did she you know, file? rumblings that she might be involved with somebody. There have been stories that he might be involved with somebody with Yellowstone, which he said is BS or we've yeah. been told is BS. But it's addressed in the documents. And it now. came up because this was a, a conversation about their finances. Um, and one of the questions, and, and you tell me, I don't know if this is a sort of pro forma question that is asked. It's a, a, it's a clever way of addressing it. Um, whether or not um, he was aware of any expenses related to an extramarital marital affair. In other words, did any of your, did Christine spend any money 
um, um, while having an extramarital affair. And the suggest look, we're in a no-fault state here in California, which means it doesn't matter whether somebody had an affair or not. It's just irreconcilable differences. It's over. So that doesn't matter. What does matter is money. Right. That what the point there is, is that did you take marital assets and divert them to something outside the marriage? So that's why this issue That came you would up. have to pay up for. Well, I... I or I, it's, it would at least be put I, on the table. I'm not so sure you would have to pay up for it, but mm -hmm. it was raised. Right. So, and especially because there's a prenup here. So, you know, you have a situation where they have to answer all these written questions. So Kevin um, basically said, look, I don't know what she has done. He never accused her. Right. But he'd said, I don't know what I she's done. I don't know what done, she's done, and but I, I haven't have, done anything. He said, I don't know what she's done, and I don't have any knowledge of how much knowledge. money she may have spent if she did. Right. I don't have any receipts that would say anything. And he said, and then yes, he said, I definitely don't have any receipts related to my expenses in an, uh, in an affair because I did not have one. So, you know, what he, and by the way, written under penalty of perjury. Right. So um, he kind of addressed some of the stories that were out there. I mean, there was some story about you know, him and somebody on the Yellowstone set and whatnot. So he's addressed that in a clever way where he didn't have to go and say that story's wrong. He just did it in the context of the legal documents. Yes. Uh, and there, there's, by the way, the, the other issue in their finances is how much money Kevin actually has. This is the fascinating part as well. So he, when they got married, she said that he gave over financial disclosures, saying what he had in assets so they could figure out their prenup. And at the time in 2004, when they're negotiating the prenup, he had around $102 million in assets. Here we are now, and she says he's worth what she believes to be over $400 million. So what did he do in the interim other than Yellowstone that really boosted uh, that bottom line for him? So he did movies like Let Him Go, Hidden Figures, and Dragon Draft Day. Uh, he started a band called Kevin Costner and Modern West, although I'm not sure that that added much to the 400 million in wealth. What I think might be going on is on Yellowstone, I think he's a profit participant and the show has been hugely successful and I think that could add a lot along with successful investments on the and side. And there, there's one other thing that he's done that may be a game changer and that is he has invested in the oil industry. So again, this is Christine Baumgartner saying he's worth 400 million. That's her claim. We don't know, we don't what, know what Kevin, Kevin is saying what number he has and been. what number he has, so we haven't heard that yet. Tim Parham from Chicago. Now, I ain't the one to be pocket watching, but to go from 100 million to 400 million during the course of a marriage, man, we ain't getting no divorce. We chilling. <laughs> Seems like they were doing something great, you know, like as, as far as financially at least. You just proved that old adage that money does not solve your problem. It doesn't. And by the way, she's the one that filed. Yes. <laughs> right? Right. Okay, we're moving on. Yes, uh, to another Kevin, Kevin Hart, who is nursing uh, several injuries after, stupidly, he says, uh, trying to race in a 40-yard dash against a friend of his, Stephen Ridley, who is an ex-NFL player, um, who is a star running back with the Patriots. So why Kevin was doing this, we don't know. But Oh, we now have footage I of know. the race. I know. We now have footage of the race. Steven posted it. Steven's on the left. Kevin's in the red shorts. And you see at the end there, he fully pulled up now. But he doesn't fall. He doesn't fall, but in the slow-mo, you can tell he's in pain. Whatever happened right there. Yeah, and then there's a curse word that comes flying out of his mouth.
Yeah, I guess um, that's when it happened. <laughs> that would be when it happened. So he's like got a torn abdomen. A he's torn got abdomen. all sorts of, he's in a wheelchair right now. Doctor muscles are torn. He's messed up. I gotta up. be honest. I, I thought uh, when I pictured, because it was a serious injury, I thought that Kevin was like going to go down to the ground and be in agony. And I didn't expect him to just come up, yeah. like, you know, By the way, a little bit. Me By the way, Kevin was not that far behind him. No, he wasn't. Um, I'm not saying he would have won without the injury, but he was closer than But Ridley may have also given him, cut him a break. You know? Yeah, Kevin maybe. actually spoke about it. <laughs> I'm getting all types of calls. I'm getting calls from, from friends, athletes. Everybody, everybody starts off the same. Man, what the, what the f That's what they say. What the f you thinking, Kev? How you do that? Man, you supposed to be in shape. Bitch, I am in shape. This ain't got nothing to do with being in shape. When's the last time you have given yourself a thousand percent effort sprint? People don't do this. Not at the age 40 and up. That's why my stupid ass in this situation. Look at <laughs> I'm a mess. Okay, so I said I, I said earlier, I know why he did it. And I really believe this because I, I do the same thing. It's like you when, want you, when you get yourself. older, you want to test yourself and you want to push yourself and you don't want to retreat. So you always like do things that have risk um, because you want to feel right. alive. I think his big mistake was doing that. I think you're right. That's why he did it. Don't do it on pavement. So that's a big point. Just a lot that, that's pounding a on good point. Hi, this is Alexandria Armstrong from One Robins, Georgia. Listen, everybody knows that we have races and barbecues in the black community. Now, I am so glad to see that extra footage because when you saw him in that pain at the very end, you know it was going downhill, but I'm pretty sure he'll be able to wheel us in some more jokes now that he's got, you know, a new location for a little while, but we are praying for his healing for sure definitely do some stretches <laughs> we should send him a chess uh a chess board <laughs> this is what you should be doing right. play this Kevin. okay seen any interesting photos in the last day or so hmm. uh there is of course just one photo that everyone uh is talking about and that would be the first mugshot ever taken of a U.S. president. A sitting um, or former. Sitting or former. Donald Trump now has that honor, distinction, <laughs> however you want to look at it. Um, and there, people are deconstructing this in a big way. I mean, they're talking about everything from, you know, doubting that he is 6'3", 215 pounds, uh, to the reference to the blonde slash strawberry <laughs> colored hair. hair. Yeah. Uh, so everybody is looking at that. But the biggest thing is the face. Right. It's like there is something intentional There's a about reason. that pose. Right. Especially because he knew for several, for a couple of weeks that he was going to be sitting down for this photo and that the photo was going to be released. So what goes in to uh, posing? <laughs> for a, uh, a mugshot. And what kind of leeway do authorities give the person who is posing? Uh, there is someone who knows about this because he has taken several mugshots uh, over the years, uh, worked in Arizona with Pima County Sheriff's Department, is now retired, but uh, Josh Arnold is now the Director of Operations for the National Institute for Jail Operations, and he is joining us now to give us some insight about mugshots, uh, how much goes into it. Josh, welcome to TMZ Live. Hey, Josh. Gentlemen, thanks so much for having me. So I wanna start with something that I wondered about um, when I first saw this picture. When they say stand here, 
you know, you're dealing with a sheriff's department there, and they're not going to give the person who they're taking the mugshot of a lot of leeway. Do they just spring it on you? Do they say one, two, three, boom? How does it work? I mean, what kind of advance notice does he have that they're about to snap the picture? Well, the, they'll give him some advance notice. That, and usually you're right. It's, it's a little bit of a countdown because they, they want to be, they want the person to be ready for what's about to take place. And, and they'll tell the person in advance, you know, Hey, we need you to stand here. We're going to take your mug shot. You know, many times, I mean, people that are, that are just booked in and, and are, and are getting their mug shots taken, they're a little bit scared. They, they don't know what's going on. On. And so most of the time, corrections officers are, are going to be kind of holding their hands through it, so to speak. And, and they're going to let them know, listen, this is going to be your mug shot. You know, we need you to stand right here. Here's where the camera is. And uh, go ahead. We're going to take the shot in three, two, one. And, and usually they'll, they'll snap the picture right there. Are there, I guess this is the big question everyone wants to know, are there do-overs? Do you show the photo to the person after it's been taken or they never get to see it until it's public under normal circumstances no there there's no redoing you know it's 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 not it's it's not a hey did you like this shot you know <laughs> That officer, that officer usually has a lot of people waiting in line, and and I can assure you, Fulton County Jail, their operations are at a standstill while all this is going on. While while Mr. Trump is going through the process, they are they are on what's called a security override, and and they're getting Mr. Trump through the process. So I, I really doubt they're going to take the time. And, and hey, Mr. Trump, did you like this shot? You know, that is not something that normally happens. I mean, they will they will tell him when the shot's taking place. But if that officer gets what he needs from that mug shot, and that's that's a clear facial identification picture, then they're going to move on and, and they're going to they're going to want to get Mr. Trump through this process as quickly as possible so they can get back to normal operations. So I know you're not um, a political guy. Um, at least that's not what your vocation is. But you have uh, you have been around thousands of mugshots being taken in Arizona over the years. So would you help us deconstruct it from your vantage point? I mean, what do you What's see when you look at that picture? Well, I, I mean, he certainly doesn't look happy to be there, and and I, I will say that is, and that type of picture is is not uncommon when folks are folks are usually not happy. Could there have been a, a you know a reason you know an, an underlying reason he he wanted to make that particular face when taking the mud shot there there could have been it's it's just difficult to speculate. Josh, uh, you, okay, can I just one, one final question that I'm just dying to know that everybody's talking about? Why don't they have a scale there? It's like when you have a driver's license, I get that it's uh, it's the honor system, but when you are talking about identifying a prisoner. You want to know what you the height weight is. If they escape, I mean, I realize he's so famous, but why don't they have a scale and something you can measure somebody's height with? Because that becomes relevant in terms of identification if something goes wrong, as opposed to just the honor system. Well, you know, it might be different if if Mr. Trump was was staying in the facility. That way, they would need the you know an accurate identification. Of course, they wouldn't on Mr. Trump in particular, just due to his notoriety. But you know, normally, if if somebody's you know Mr. Trump isn't staying at the facility, they're doing what's called a book ID release 
where he's just coming and, and they're getting the mug shot and the pictures and taking some basic information and then he's leaving. And so getting those, those real accurate statistics as far as height and weight don't become quite as critical yeah. as, as if you're using it as an identifier if, if a person's going to be released or if they're staying in the facility. That's a, that's a fair yeah. point, Josh, that they're obviously everyone knows who he is, so they yeah. don't really need those numbers. It was just a formality. I'm so glad we could have you on yeah. today because we really, we everybody's been talking about the mugshot. We went and talked to an expert, so thank you. Oh, well, thank you for having me on, gentlemen. Really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Thanks, Josh. By the way, did you notice? Uh, pop that mug up again, Reagan. <laughs> uh, notice the red, white, and blue? That's uh -huh. intentional. Oh, yes. That was intentional. Absolutely. Okay, we're taking a break. Okay, when we come back, rock legend Carlos Santana really <laughs> shocked people during one of his recent concert when he started talking about the transgender community and not in a pleasant way at all. What's really weird here is he's very clear what you're gonna hear what he said on stage and then his apology is the exact opposite. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome back to TMZ Live. I love, love Carlos Santana. You ever seen him in in, uh, in concert? I have not seen him at all. Um, um, but I was, a, I have been a fan of his music. Love I'm his music. Not a fan of his politics. No, I, which I did not realize his politics, but it all came out <laughs> um, during a recent show in Atlantic City, where for some reason nobody raised this issue. He decided to share his thoughts about the transgender community. Um, and he went in hard. He went in very hard, and it's offensive. What? So here's here's what he said while he was on stage, and then we're going to get to his apology because that is the bizarre part of this. Um, but first, his comments. When God made you and me, before we came out of the womb, you know who you are and what you are. Later on, when you grow up and you see things and you start believing that you could be something that it sounds good, but you know it ain't right. Because a woman is a woman and a man is a man. Whatever you want to do in the closet, that's your business. I'm okay with that. I am like this with my brother Dave Chappelle. So, uh, whatever you do Dave in Chappelle the closet, be like, uh, yeah. yo, Carlos, leave me out of this. Whatever you do in the closet is your business and fine with me. It's, Ugh. and it's like, and, and you know, the bigger, by the way, the bigger thing is the applause. Right. I think it, it's a bellwether of what well, that's the country true. is right now. Absolutely. But now, this is bizarre. Let's get to the apology because you just heard what he said. <laughs> um, but, he says, I am sorry for my insensitive comments. Get that? They don't reflect that I want to honor and respect all persons' ideals and beliefs. I realize that what I said hurt people and that was not my intent. It takes courage to grow and glow in the light that you are 
and to be true, genuine, and authentic. We grow and learn to shine our light with love and compliments of a glorious existence. Peace. I am so confused. I am so well, confused. Well, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty obvious what happened here, right? I mean, he doesn't, at least as far as I, I can see, he doesn't really speak too much on politics. I know he said some things on Donald Trump, but he doesn't really speak on issues like this. And what he said on stage, in my opinion, is probably how he feels. Yeah. Saw all the backlash and then released this statement. So does he, all right. But, but I, that, look, but it, he definitely it, it, was speaking from the heart when he said it on the stage. Has he had a genuine moment how, of reflection? How, how, how? This was not a an off-the-cuff comment. No, this no, no. Was, no. I, I'm saying since he said it and he heard the backlash, is it possible? I, yes. I don't know, and I agree. It it's seems possible. odd it is that he's had a genuine moment of reflection. It and is said, possible. You know I was wrong to feel that way, and I did hurt people, and this seems like a more but it fundamental is a belief. Huge, it, it, yes, it's I more agree. of a core fundamental belief that will, I mean, he had to know when he said it, there are going to be some people who are going to criticize him, and he had to know that. Right. This wasn't prompted by anything that no, happened no, on he, stage. And, that's, and you're right, and especially because you know, he said, uh, I'm like this with Dave Chappelle. He's, if he's like that with Dave Chappelle, he knows the backlash that Dave exactly got. Exactly right. So exactly why right. back down? Not smooth, you say. Not smooth. Tim Susie, speaking to you from the beautiful state of New Hampshire, which is my home. I absolutely love Carlos Santana. He is a living legend in the music industry. He's been a huge influence, as well as on me as an artist. However, I do believe that there are many means of an artist showing and getting their opinion across in their music and in their songs without ever having to directly feel like you're seemingly throwing it down the throats of your paying fans who have come to see you play your music, mind you. It seemed like something that was kind of rehearsed because the band was playing a little bed behind I him. I felt like, the same way. That he was I going to make the same the way, which, which then makes the apology even more bizarre. Right. Okay, we're going to move on. Yes, uh, yes. Moving on now to uh, Cheryl Hines. And I think this is really interesting. Isn't I it? do too. A very interesting clip. Cheryl Hines, of course, from um, Curb Your Enthusiasm, is married to RFK Jr., who, who is, is running for president. Running for president. So uh, she was at LAX, and a photog asked her about Secret Service. Well, you may have heard that, 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 that they denied RFK Jr. Secret Service protection, even though he's very controversial. But the bigger thing is that his family, you have obviously, his, you know, obviously his father was assassinated. His uncle was assassinated. The question, should he get Secret Service protection, given all that? And remember, when Ted Kennedy ran, he got Secret yes, Service Jimmy protection. Jimmy Carter gave it to him immediately. Um, and so Cheryl Hines was asked about what they're doing about security and if there's a chance that they're going to convince the um, Department of Homeland Security to reverse their rejection. Have you gotten to the point where you guys are going to request essentially Secret Service protection? He already did request Secret Service protection. Denied? It was denied. Denied. And you, do you feel like you need it? Let's be honest here. This is this is an important conversation because there's a lot of crazies well, yeah. out I mean, there. Bobby, you look at Bobby's family. Um, the history. Yeah, the history. Yeah, sure. it, um, can't be can't be denied here. No. All right. And what would you say to the Biden administration on that on that? Uh, I think they need to reconsider. Okay. And I think they. It's, it's surprising and shocking. I think it's unusual to get it early on. Sure. Uh, but it's an unusual circumstance.
Yeah, I got yeah, to say. Part of this is the timing of, because typically you don't get it this early uh, because the camp, you know, but there are, next there year. Are, uh, but there are exceptions, like you said. Ted Kennedy. Ted Kennedy. And, and by the way, Joe Biden was really tight with, with Ted Kennedy. Exactly. And Joe Biden understands what happened to the Kennedy family. So it, it's not like you're co-signing on his campaign as much as protecting right. from some pretty obvious problems, especially in the climate in this country. So I don't know. I mean, it was uh, just, it was- It is strange that it was rejected that like that. I know. By the way, Cheryl Hines, um, I, I, I spoke at like a comedy fest thing years ago. I, right. I think you, I knew you were then. And uh, <laughs> it was right at the beginning of TMZ. <laughs> and um, she was just a lovely person. She was there. Yeah. And she was a, just a really lovely person. Okay, on this week's edition of Follow the Money, uh, we're going to dig into some technology. Technology that will certainly have an impact on everyday consumers and will absolutely impact people who are Uber drivers or taxi drivers. Talking about robo-taxis. They are actually approved and in use already in San Francisco. And there are plans to roll it out in other cities. Except that San Francisco is having a nightmare. And it seems like this is a case where maybe we jumped into technology a little too fast before it was actually ready. So uh, joining us right now to follow the money, like we said, in San Francisco, but eventually this is going to affect everybody, uh, is our buddy Damon John from Shark Tank. Damon, welcome back. Hey, Damon. What's happening? Hey, we always embrace technology here on this on this show, on this we segment. Do. We talk about it, but maybe not so much this time. You know, I, I think that you opened up accurately. I think that uh, this is inevitable. I, I think it's going to affect a lot of people positively and negatively, but I think that you did open up accurately. So when you say that it's causing a lot of problems, let me give you some of the problems it's causing. Uh, these uh, units uh, have been somehow... Uh, they're not as accurate as they would like. Uh, a lot of emergency vehicles have not been able to get past them. They're, you know, these taxis also do not uh, recognize as well darker uh, skinned people and or children. Uh, you know, I know that it happened with a uh, Fitbit because it couldn't read the skin, but uh, taxis, damn, even technology, a black man can't catch yeah. a cab. <laughs> I was going to say, man, man I thought I'd finally be able to get a cab with just a robot. Yeah. And, okay, again, you guys think like festivals and things Are you like laughing that, a little too hard now? No, it's Now you're laughing a little I'm too hard. Sorry. <laughs> just Damon and I can laugh. You should just be quiet. I'm sorry. Anyway. Um, even festivals and things like that where there may be a lot of things where uh, it doesn't have the intelligence to move around. Uh, so, but these things will be fixed. I'm sure where it yeah. comes to the color of skin, I'm sure they'll start to put heat detectors in. I'm sure that emergency, emergency vehicles will be tied in various other things. But what is more important here? It is putting, you know, there's about 400,000 to 450,000 uh, gig drivers, meaning people who do Uber, Uber Eats, and various other things. Those people no longer have jobs. However, the, the, the mechanic of yesterday with the greasy hands and rags, that's no longer needed. You need people who know how to train and or operate these vehicles. In the future, though, here's where I think it's going to be very helpful. If we have children and we don't want them on the school bus, maybe four families to get a pool and get a very affordable car that can take our kids back and forth to school safely So, and we can monitor them in the car. If you live in a food desert and various other things and your family wants right, to get right. you food and various other things, hmm. or if you're a senior, I think this will save a lot of time, but it's all about embracing the technology. And, you know, I got to say that 
I know that Uber drivers are, are really pissed off right now, um, and they're saying you're taking jobs away from us. I, there's something about that that's rich because they took jobs. They took the taxi drivers. They took jobs away from the taxi drivers. And yeah. so you know, we've talked about this with you now over the years that this world is changing. I mean, since I was a kid, this world has fundamentally yeah. changed. It will fundamentally change again. And you just got to learn how to pivot. You are never going to stop this. And, you know, and it's like you, but you always hear people protesting. So, but you're taking my jobs away. But that's the way society progresses. And Harvard, I think to share with you, this, the, the world is changing. They said the world is changing the period of one week uh, comparison to what it used to be one year in came 20 years ago. And it's changing that quick in comparison. So it is here. You listen, I came on with you guys and said, hey, this new Zoom update is moving my camera all around. I don't want you to see my, you know, the rest of my life going on <laughs> over here. It, I, I can't prevent it. It happened. Now I'm, you know, my big head is right here in the camera. <laughs> I can't move. These things are going to happen. Change is inevitable. Damon, now we want you to move to the left or the right because now we got to see what's going on in the room. Right. You don't want to show us. It's going to be a wall. It's going to be a wall or a ceiling. <laughs> but you see how this thing is just like, look, look. <laughs> you know, <it's> so, <laughs> I am so looking forward to this because I think this is, I can't wait for this to get perfected. You know, I believe sooner or later it's going to be illegal to actually legally drive, uh, to actually operate a vehicle. There was a woman the other day plowed through a bunch of people in New York City Intentionally, she weaponized her car. So you're you're accurate about that. Whether people are inebriated or whether people, uh, you know, are are they they can't drive because they may be elderly and their functions are not working as well as possible, but they need to eat or get places. Uh, I think it's going to be safer in the yeah. long run. I think it's going to actually be illegal to operate a vehicle in another twenty years. I think you're right. I agree with you. Uh, okay. Uh, I still want to operate my vehicle. You guys can get go ahead and get in the robots. No it's matter fine. what, Charles, Damon, if you can get years, one. <laughs> Charles, in 20 years, no matter what, we're still not going to be able to catch a cab. Yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> that ain't going to change, brother. You're right about that. Yeah, All right. And, and Damon, in, tw in 20 years, it's not going to be necessary for me to get in the car. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You'll be in something. <laughs> That starts with a C. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, it's going to be the S-E-A, not the C-A-S-K-E-T. Okay, there you go. All right, Damon, we'll see you next time, man. Peace. Okay, we're going to take a break. Uh, yes, when we come back, Heidi Klum's eating habits. 900 calories, a mere 900 calories a day. That's the story out there. Well, we got the lowdown from her good buddy, Tim Gunn. He's been around her for years, so he knows. Is this true? What is she actually eating? Tim gave us the answer. You hear it when we come back. Everybody wants to know what Heidi Klum is eating because there's a story that started last week going around that she's only consuming 900 calories per day. Well, we, we didn't get Heidi, but we got the next best thing. We got her buddy Tim Gunn, who has worked with her, and been eat, friends with her, and eaten with and her, more important with her. Uh, for years and years. So here's what he has to say about the 900 calories per day. Heidi consumes more than 900 calories on a snack break. <laughs> I marvel at how she's able to keep that incredible figure that she has because she doesn't hold back. I mean, she's careful about what she eats. Right, right. But she's certainly not someone who's counting calories. No. You've seen her in one sitting crush 900. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys, Heidi also responded publicly online saying that it's absolutely ridiculous that she um, does never, she's never calorie counted before in her life. And we also recently just saw photos of her daughter. So it has to be genetics because her daughter 
daughter has a very, very similar body type to Heidi Klum. Very skinny, high hips, model type, model type body. Yeah, but the other thing too is, we don't know how much she exercises. And the, you know, when people talk about this stuff, it's like you have to look at exercise and food and they, con they, they connect. And you know what that is true, but what Nikki said is also true that some people are just genetically. Some disposed. people are genetic. And I don't know. No, 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 but, that's true. But most people, that that the, the connection is there between exercise, food, and weight, and it just is. And you can eat more when you exercise more. And I'm yeah, everything she does. you do is just to, is to sort of advocate for your lifestyle, which is getting up at three in the morning. And going to three to different up. gyms no, 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 you don't before have, you come to work. You don't have to get up at three in the morning. That's all you're advocating I am not for, advo what you're actually advocating. I am not advocating. Yes, I'm just you making, are. I'm making. Yes, you are. Uh -huh. You heard him. No, I'm not infinity. Get up <laughs> hey, Nat from Jersey City. I can only imagine how nasty the comments were online to get Heidi to make her a little public thing. And good on Tim for uh, sticking up for his friend. But you guys are exactly right. There's some people who don't have much of an appetite and they're slender, just naturally. And if they have nice cheekbones, they become models. <laughs> and those people are called models. <laughs> Bad Bunny is in New York City uh, working on a new music video. And when the theme of your music video is sort of a, a gangster motif, who do you call? There are two guys. There are two guys you could there call. There are two guys you could call. You could call Robert De Niro, yep. or you could call Al Pacino. Al Pacino. I'll bet you he called both. But anyway, we don't know if he called De Niro, but Al Pacino got the call and answered it and was on set, ready to uh, shoot his scenes. His girlfriend is there too. I don't know if she's gonna be in the music video, but, uh, but Al, Al is there. having another moment here, man. He just had a kid. He's doing a Bad Bunny music I mean, video. Here's, here's, we all know Al Pacino is an absolute legend, but for Al Pacino to answer, one, answer the call, and then actually show up. Is. It shows how big he is. Exactly. I mean, it's, So congrats to Bad Bunny. It's amazing. I am so, I, I fanboy out with this guy. I just think Al Pacino is, is it one of the more impressive for Bad Bunny, um, getting Al Pacino in your music video or- Kendall Jenner. Getting to date Kendall, Kendall Jenner. Have a good weekend, everybody. <laughs>